Hey, this is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister at the Eagle Community Church of Christ in Mont Bellevue, Texas. Again, I'm so thankful that you would listen to this podcast, that you would be interested in our teaching there and be curious about Jesus. Uh, this week we start episode three, part three of our series, A Stronger Summer, where we're challenging our church to just not get complacent this summer, to not let it go by and, and not grow closer to God. And so this week we talk about having a stronger love. We focus 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. And I think there's a lot that we can uh, can learn there and we can take away and hopefully we grow closer to God and closer to each other. We're able to look around and, and have a love like God loves us. He cares for us and we can care for each other. So again, thank you for listening. Here we go. A Stronger Love. Good morning again. And thank you, Jacob. Thank you very much. Again, we're so glad to have you here. Uh, a couple of announcements as we begin. Um, if you look back at the clock, it is five minutes fast. You can thank Scott Gibson for that. <laughs> I think he thought it would work out a little differently, but all, all it has done is made me do math from up here, which is, you know, it could go either way. You know, I don't, I don't know which way. Uh, and also, we, we don't have a, a screen back here that I can see yet, uh, and so I will step down here, and so you may be in the spray zone or something like that. <laughs> it, the, the first service this morning, I, I was up here a lot, and uh, it just reminded me one of my first times that I went with a guy uh, to do jail ministry. And I was in Texarkana, so you, you had people, Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, so I, there are a lot of people like that in church. He was a real Texan. I mean, he, he sold insurance, but always had the boots, you know, pointy-toed. And while he was preaching, so we would be in a, in a room smaller than this, and it would load up with people coming in. Even though they could be watching TV, they would come in to hear what we had to say, because that would give them somewhere else to be. And he would, he would start preaching and teaching, and he would start talking to everyone, and he would get right here. <laughs> In the space. Like, I, I kept watching from behind. Like, I wanted to go and just watch. And he said, no, you can lead singing. Oh, man. But uh, he would go, and as he walked, it would be right beside someone's toe. And I thought, these people will kill you. <laughs> I don't know that that's true, but I felt like that in a moment. So uh, we, uh, we, we had a good time. Uh, one of the, actually, I'll tell you this story, just the rabbit hole, just a second. Uh, on a Super Bowl Sunday, we went, I went with the same guy, and I thought nobody is going to be in here on Super Bowl Sunday because they can watch TV like in their big cell. I was wrong. So many people got in there that we were standing, you know, towards the, towards the front, and people were like coming around us. That's not comfortable for me anyway. <laughs> but one of the last people in walked in and saw somebody sitting in the chair and they exchanged some words and started throwing down right there. And so um, I'm prepared if y'all want to throw punches today. <laughs> if somebody's sitting in what you think is your seat, uh, let's do it. We are, uh, again, we are so thankful. Uh, I want to just say one more word. We are thankful for everyone who has put in work, effort to be here today. Can we thank everybody this morning? Thank you so much. Um, uh, I'm not even going to try to mention everyone because so many people have put, put in a lot of hours. There are going to be a lot of good Sunday naps today. 
uh, I'm just telling you. Uh, today as we begin at Eagle Community Church of Christ, we're going to continue this summer series that we're doing, and that is called Stronger Summer. Again, if you, you haven't been visiting with us, uh, the idea behind this series is that so many times our summer is just kind of a, a just kind of a, a blow off period. You know, well, back when school starts, you know, then we'll get back into it. You know, just like uh, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, you know, when I, I needed to start a diet one time and I, I'd agreed to, I joined the gym and they had a nutrition program and it was a Thursday. And she said, you need to go buy this stuff. I said, I'll start it on Monday, right? You know, let me get through the weekend. She's like, no, you need to do it now. And so you need to have a sense of urgency. And so that's what I want for this church because this summer is not just any other summer for this church. This is all new. This is going to be a big move for all of us getting used to it. Some of you have been used to driving to Baytown so much. And now you're like, man, I, I can leave later. Some of you I've already talked to live really close to the old building. Now you're having to drive in. And so there are a lot of changes this summer, but I want, the I want to challenge each of us to not waste this summer, that this summer is going to be used to grow closer to God. And I believe that God will do it if you want to do it. If you say, Lord, I want you to, uh, to move within me, to, to draw me closer to you, that he is faithful and that he will do it. And so this morning, we are doing Stronger in Love from 1 Corinthians 13. That is, that is kind of known as the love chapter. It's, uh, it's a lot of good reading. I'm, going to take, I'm actually going to take you through the, uh, through the whole uh, chapter in just a minute. But as you think about love, what, do you, what comes to mind immediately? If, someone, if you said, I love someone or I love something, what comes to mind? Because as I prepared this lesson, I was thinking, you know, there are a lot of different ways that that kind of goes through my brain. And the first thing is, is when I fell in love. You know, with the first person I fell in love with. You remember that in high school? Now you look at the teenagers and they broke up and you're like, well, yeah, this is just the first. <laughs> but, you know, there's so many things that, that, that being in love, like, changes about our minds. Like, you start acting different, right? Anybody else? Yeah, start acting differently. Yeah, you get that first girlfriend or boyfriend and things start changing, uh, sometimes, you know, all of a sudden, guys, we didn't buy a lot of flowers for ourselves, <laughs> but now we're on first name basis with a florist, okay? And so, so we start thinking different, we start acting different, we start having conversations like you never thought you'd have, like, you don't know her like I know her. She's really not that bad, <laughs> right? When everybody knows, she is that bad, by the way. <laughs> You just can't see it because your love, your, 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 your feeling that is coming up is just blinding you from seeing things. So it just changes. All of a sudden you notice that your buddy likes this girl and now you're not that close to friends anymore because he's not around. And you're mad about that until you get the girl and then you're not around anymore, right? So it just changes. And so uh, you can be in love and that just kind of changes things. Well, and then for me, you know, I'm thinking about the love for my children. When you, when you have that first child and you hold him for the first time, I knew instantly something changed in my life. It was different. Now, I was scared to death. I said, you want to carry him down the hall, Mr. Gunter? I was like, well, don't you have somebody for that? <laughs> but it just changes. And, and so your, your love for your children can uh, do different things, too. I mean, the craziness that is our decision to have kids to give up our free time and sleep. Have you ever tried to t 
tell a new, newly expecting parent what, what parenthood is going to be like? How many of you have been successful in relaying that, right? You, you just don't know it until you live it, right? Oh, I'm sure I'll get plenty of sleep, all that good stuff. Uh, but, but we look at our kids and we love them, you know, unconditionally to where even when they're acting up, even when they're on their worst days, when, when things aren't going well and uh, they, they showed out in the, uh, the supermarket. My, my brother-in-law, by the way, when he was young, he got in trouble by my father-in-law. And uh, my father-in-law was finally done with it. And he picked him up over his shoulders, carrying him out. And the whole way he was carrying him out, my brother-in-law was yelling, He's not my daddy! <laughs> so so, so uh, we've had some experiences. But when I look at my kids, and even if they were to do something like that, a lot of times I see them like this. The cartoon character, right? The big eyes and all... He didn't mean it. I had a, uh, a person in our, our hometown whose, whose son was actually caught stealing stuff. And he still said, oh, he didn't mean anything by that. Why would you say that? Because our love can do, do crazy things. But, but love is not just this feeling that, that bubbles over and makes us feel all warm and, and squishy. I see some of you still looking at that picture. Katie said the eyes were freaky for her. So, <laughs> So I'll get off of that in just a second. But love is not just that warm and squishy feeling that, that changes things. It's, it's more than that, isn't it? How many, how many married couples do we have right now or, or people that have been married before? Raise your hand. How long did the same feeling you initially had last? Don't answer that. <laughs> but it didn't last forever, did it? Now, it, it may be, you know, still warm and fuzzy, but it's not the same, right? So if we approach life with love must be that, we're going to be very disappointed, aren't we? That if, that if love for, for one another has to be that, we're not going to achieve it, even with our spouse, because life happens. So we're going we're gonna to dive into the, uh, the love chapter right now, and we're going to talk about this, and I'm going to come down in, in your space, Julia. <laughs> If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give, my, give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain Nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a, as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. I love that. How many of you had that read at your wedding? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. 
And that's, that's why I wanted to, to bring up that, that point this morning is I, is I hope we don't pretty it up too much, that, that love always has to be that feeling that you have when you're standing at the altar. I, I told this story, and I, I don't mind telling it now. Katie and I have been married for 12 years. But does anybody, did anybody ever have the conversation where one of you said, well, I guess the honeymoon's over? <laughs> anybody ever have that? Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. It's like, he's the only one, I guess. But, I, I, and I've told a few of you in here before, but one of the, the funniest things to me that happened, it wasn't funny at the time, it is now, but when we first got married, it was in August, and I'm a deer hunter, and so deer hunting comes around October, November, and, and so the, the very beginning of deer season, I was gone a lot, and Katie started calling herself a deer widow. <laughs> so I was just, you know, I had gone to be with the deer. But, but so I felt bad and started hanging around the house more. And by the end of the season, I was sitting around the house and she looked at me and she said, are you not going to hunt some more? <laughs> and so it changes, right? And what you heard right there is, is love is not, not just this, this warm and fuzzy. There's a lot to it. But to understand this chapter, you have to understand what Paul is doing in the chapter before it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he is actually talking to the church. And, you know, when we read where, you know, Church of Christ is big in Acts 2, you know, we know Acts 2.38, right? You know, you're going to repent, be baptized, and you're going to get the gift of what? Holy Spirit, yeah. And so the, the, the church had these gifts from the Holy Spirit, and, and they really wanted to be able to speak in tongues or to prophesy. You heard that right there, right? You heard prophecy or speak with tongues of angels, that kind of thing. And the, the chapter before, Paul is getting all over those people because that is their focus. They are looking like Jacob has this gift of uh, speaking in tongues, and I don't have it. So why don't I have it? So my focus is I want his gift, or I want to be able to prophesy like, uh, like Brian. And so there's this kind of inferiority. There's this kind of, uh, well, I've got the gift and you don't type of thing. And so that was the focus of the church. Well, if the church is focused on that kind of thing, what are they not focused on? Jesus, yes. And so that's what Paul is getting at when he gets to 1 Corinthians 13. He ends chapter 12 this way. He says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and that's what they were, they were saying, the greater gifts in their eyes were prophecy and tongues, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. This needs just a little bit of explanation. Because the way it reads right now in English, it looks like Paul is telling them, yeah, go ahead. You need to go after these greater gifts. You need to pray to God that he will bless you with uh, speaking in tongues or prophecy or whatever. But actually, what is there is uh, it could be translated another way. But when they do the translations, they look at the sentence structure. I know none of you wanted an English lesson this morning. But they look at the sentence structure, and there are like three or four more places that the sentence structure is exactly like this. And so it's all an imperative. It's all telling them what to do. So what scholars think, you notice this doesn't make sense. If Paul is just getting on them about the gifts and focusing on them, it doesn't make sense for him to then say, yeah, now go after those, right? And so what scholars think is it actually may be a little sarcasm, okay? Anybody ever sent a text and, like, it didn't translate into? <laughs> I'll just tell you about myself. Be because when you text, when you, when you put something into text, you know the meaning behind them, right? 
but the person getting them can read it anyway. And, and so <laughs> I've embarrassed myself before. Uh, I'll be texting and I put like emotion into my text. Like <laughs> I'm sitting here going, And Katie, Katie walks around the corner and she says, what are you doing? Like, I'm texting. Like, my emotion is going in here, but it's not actually, is it? So uh, what scholars think here is, is Paul is actually being sarcastic in a way. That he's saying, you know, your focus, he's been getting on them. Your focus has been in the wrong place. He said, now you go ahead. You go ahead and pursue these. But, he said, I will show you the most excellent way. This is the way. And then he goes into chapter 13. Let's, uh, let's go through this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. I just make noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am, what is it, church? I am nothing. Now that can be translated, I am nobody. And I think that's actually a better translation because of what they have been doing, what he has been talking to them about. Because of my gift, I think I am somebody. That God has endowed me with something special. Now I am somebody. And he says, you know what? If you can do all of this, if you can have all these miraculous, special things, and you don't have love, you are nobody. You are nothing. So get that straight. All right? And I love that. I think that's a, uh, a powerful thing that he's doing there. He says, if I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship. I don't know why they do hardship. The word is actually burning. In early Christianity, uh, it, was, it was thought as a very noble thing that I would have the faith, have a faith such that I will give myself up to, to be killed. That even if, if somebody comes to burn me, I will take pride in that and, and actually... Uh, in, in hardship times, using hardship there, in hard times, the church would, would celebrate those things. Because every time the church faced a persecution like this, and people had a faith that took them this far, guess what happened to the church, folks? It grew. I don't remember who said it, but uh, I love it. It says, there is nothing wrong with the church that a good persecution can't fix. And I don't like that. I don't want persecution. But persecution is not going to kill the church. It's going to make it grow. But these people are looking at this and they said, and Paul is saying, even if you have this faith, a faith that says, I will go and I will be martyred. If you don't have love, uh, he said, a hardship that I may boast. So it's, it's a, I think highly of it. But do not have love. I gain nothing. It's nothing to you. You are nothing. You gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and for those of you about to eat lunch together in just a minute, it keeps no record of wrongs. You remember when you did that? You remember when you told me, how many of you have done it? Yeah, easy to do. But love doesn't do that. I don't think it necessarily means that you just have amnesia. But I think it says love overcomes that kind of stuff. 
that I'm not going to use this just to, just to berate you or something, bring it up just to knock you down, but that I love you and I care for you and I want you to be successful. <coughs> that, I'm, that I'm not going to bring any of this stuff up. It isn't easily angered. How many of us have that issue? Not easily angered. I, I told him this morning, I said, you know, I don't have a problem with that until I'm hangry, right? <laughs> like, I'm fine, I'm easygoing until, it's like, man, it's been, been 30 minutes since I've eaten here. <laughs> but just uh, that, that love doesn't let that, that, you know, it's not that you never get angry, but love trumps all of that. Love takes on all of that. It doesn't, like, beat everything down, beat everybody down. That Love gets through it. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. So, so far, if you're keeping track, we've had love is patient and love perseveres. How many times do you have to be patient and persevere through the good times? You don't think about those words then, do you? Because everything's going good. And so what Paul is saying here is, and the, those of you who have lived life, you know this, right? This is life. It's a roller coaster ride. It's up and down. One day it's fantastic. The next day, it may not be. And so love gets you through that. Love is patient. It perseveres. It gets you through. We don't pray for patience because what? Trials. Trials, yeah, they're going to come, right? Uh, I love the Facebook meme that, that said... Uh, Lord, give me patience. Not the opportunity to be patient. I've had plenty of those. <laughs> give me patience, right? Love does that. Love says, I will put you and your, your well-being right up there with my own. That it's not, I have to look down on you, okay? Love never fails. And what that, that means in the Greek there is love never ends. It does not stop. So if you're in a relationship this morning, and you may be here where you've got a spouse or a boyfriend or girlfriend where it's a on-again, off-again love, that's not love. Because love gets through these things. Love does not stop. I can't compartmentalize like we often do. You know, I've, I've got my Sunday face and I've got my uh, face through the week that you see, you know, and, and I'll get it right again on Sunday or whatever. You can't do that with love. That I'll show that on Sunday and I'll turn it off during the week. Love never stops. He says, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Now, I want to do just a little aside really quickly. Those of you who have been raised in Church of Christ may have had a similar um, teaching as I did growing up. And we came to this, this part where obviously, because what you've heard this morning, Paul is addressing something very specifically, isn't he? This pursuit of gifts and the focus on gifts instead of Jesus, instead of loving other people, okay? So we would come to this part and say what Paul is saying here is those gifts would end and we would pick a time like after the apostles died. Anybody else heard that? Like something like that. That's not what he's doing. You, you, I mean, you've heard the scripture this morning. Uh, Paul didn't all of a sudden stop and say, okay, hold on. These will end, you know, after I die or whatever. And so 
what, what you're looking at when you see that word completeness in there in, in verse 10, the word for completeness there is telos. It is the end. It is, a, it is the goal. So when that has been realized, fully realized, complete, then those things will end. Okay, you understand what we're saying? And so the kingdom of God began on earth, Acts 2 type of thing, right? Is the kingdom of God fully on earth right now? The answer is no. And so we are in a state that, that scholars like to call of the already but not yet. Jesus, as he went preaching and teaching and healing people, he said, if you see these miraculous things through the power of the Spirit right now, it means the kingdom of God is here. But it is not fully realized. When will it be fully realized, y'all? Yeah, when Jesus comes back. Completeness, fully realized, okay? That was just a little aside because I know when some of you hear those things, it, it goes back to that. And that is, that is not, that is a, trying to explain some things. Um... I'll tell a quick story real quick. I don't know if I've, I've told this. I, uh, I know I've told some of you, but uh, it's really easy not to believe in things like tongues or prophecy or something like that if you've never experienced it. Fair enough, right? So I had somebody in my life that uh, is very trustworthy, and as he was getting his degree, he was walking around on his campus, and uh, he and his wife had had a lot of miscarriages. And it was always at a certain point in the pregnancy that she would miscarry. And so it was getting close to that point. She was pregnant and, you know, anxiety. I mean, it was several that they had had. And so you're, you're thinking, well, does, it, does the baby make it this time? So he's walking on campus. This woman comes out, kind of chases him down, speaking in tongues, and he's like, oh, what do I do with this? When she gets finished, she says, and they don't know each other, by the way. She says, God told me to tell you that the baby's going to be okay. What do you do with that? And by the way, they had that baby. So it's real easy to discount some things until you experience it. So these are powerful things we're talking about. But Paul says, even if I have all of those things, even if I have all the wisdom to give you that information, I am, if I don't have love, I am nobody. Don't look at me any differently. Don't, I shouldn't look at myself any differently. I am nobody unless I have love for you. Okay? Verse 11, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Again, the Greek word for child here is toddler. I've got one, so this is easy for me right now, right? <laughs> like, like now when you read this, Julia, you're in that. Thank you very much. <laughs> It won't, it won't fit. That was, that, that was Julius, by the way. Perfect, perfect. Which, an aside, I told Julia was a little nervous to sit up here this morning. I said, listen, I will roll with it. I don't care how many kids we've got in here this morning. Y'all bring your kids. Don't worry about them, okay? We're not going to be a church that says they need to be quiet, okay? We're going to be a church that says bring those little kids because we're going to teach them. We're going to show them the way of Jesus, okay? All right. So... When I was a toddler, I thought like a toddler. I reasoned like a toddler. And if you've got one, that's, you're right with it, okay? So when we had Evan, we thought we were fantastic parents. Again, um, he came out easygoing, like myself. <laughs> he came
came out easy going. It was just easy. He had like uh, a healthy amount of fear, so he didn't climb on things. He didn't run away. He, you know, he didn't try to get out the door or anything like that. And Katie had a cousin who who heard us talking about him, and she said, or he said, "Do not have another one." <laughs> and we laughed it off. And what happened with Logan? Y'all know already, don't you? <laughs> he came out different. Like you know, I had all this had all this training. I knew about birth order. You know, I knew that you know. If you're middle child, you know, youngest child, all those things can be different for you. And so I thought in all my wisdom, well, I'll just, I'll just teach them the same. I'll just parent them the same. And what does that matter? Not a bit. <laughs> day one, not day 360, but day one, he came out different. So he's the kid where, you know, I'm, I'm sitting around my uh, island in my kitchen uh, making a sandwich or something, and all of a sudden you feel like somebody's staring at you. And I looked up. And he's on the other side of the counter looking at me just like this. <laughs> and if you have a toddler doing that, you go check and see what's in their hands right then. <laughs> right? So, so just, just putting your, your, yourself, your, your mind in the ways of a toddler. Like when I was that way, when I was that age, I thought that way. You can't think that way now. You can't think about, well, I've got to have the next toy or I've got to you know, be minded the way kids are you know, focused. You've got to grow up. And so he says, when I became a man, when I became a grown-up, I put the ways of childhood behind me. So implicit there is you do the same thing. Start acting like it. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. All right, going back to what I just said about the, uh, the tongues and prophecies. Paul didn't say, hey, these are ending right now. What does he say right here? We are going to see right now. He said, we shall see. We will see more completely. We'll see fully, okay? At the end, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is faith, right? But the greatest of these is my ability to win arguments. Just saying. She said, why am I looking at you? I said, hey, the Lord pointed my head. Francisco didn't even take up for you nothing. Yeah, those ceiling tiles look good. The greatest of these is my belief in something, right? No. The greatest of these is love. That your love has to be out there. People don't know that we love them because of how loudly we're yelling at them. People out there who hadn't even thought about coming to church don't know we love them because all we're doing is going out there and telling them how wrong they are. They're not here in love in that, okay? People don't know we love them because we're having a, a fight on Facebook, you know, kind of a keyboard warrior thing. Because I've got to win. Love has to be first and foremost the thing that we show people. And the reason for that, God is faith. God is what, church? He is love. And so for us to be close to God, we have to have love in us. Paul says if you don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you sell all your stuff, give it to the poor. It doesn't matter how eloquently you talk. It doesn't matter if you make a show of, of, of giving all kinds of stuff to someone or going up to uh, Julia and say, well, I've seen you've had some problems with your kids. I'll give you some free parenting advice, you know. <laughs> Holy are, uh, am I, but it doesn't matter. 
if I don't love you and will do everything, the persevering, the patience, the, all those things, I am nobody. I gain nothing. Jesus says it this way, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God. Again, he's answering what is the greatest commandment. You remember this? Okay, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything that happens in your life has to come from your love of God and your love of somebody else. That I will treat you, that I will uh, want your, um, your life to go the same way that I want mine to go. That I want you to achieve the same level of, of success uh, to, to the blessings that you, you get in your life. That I want that for you as much as I want it for me. And Jesus doesn't make it any easier, does he? He says, just love all the people that love you back, right? Just love those folks. Or the people, if they ask for forgiveness in a timely manner. Jesus goes on and tells us we love even our enemies. Now, I don't think that means that because I love you, you know, because I love my enemy, I support them, right? But I want them, I want their life to end up with Jesus Christ. And if all I'm doing is yelling at them, why in the world do I think then I'm going to positively affect them? Somehow, if you look at social media, I think people really believe that I can yell at someone all week on Facebook and try to win arguments and then say, hey, would you come to church with me on Sunday? <laughs> I mean, I know you felt the love. I love you. Called you an idiot earlier. <laughs> but that's in the past. That's, that's political, right? We try to compartmentalize. Well, that's just the, just the during the week stuff. It doesn't work like that. As we move into this community, what we have to be is a church that loves. Because I'll tell you this right now, if we are not, God is not going to bless it. And why in the world should he? Because the last thing that God needs is people claiming to be followers of his, going out and acting somewhere, some way, way different from the way he wants us to. That we go out into the community and it's just all about us. Or we don't actually care about uh, people's needs. I say about, I, I care about kids, but I won't put in any time. I won't try to donate. I won't try to look for ways to help. Why would God bless that? And I'll tell you this, if we're not that person, I hope he blesses another church that will. Because we need to be that example. And I believe that's who we're going to be. That's the, that's the feeling I have here, and I am excited to see what God does. But I just want you to think about that for just a second. As we think about what love actually is and how it plays out in our life, just think about your relationship with God. Have you always been the easiest to love? <laughs> the story of God's people from the beginning is I create you and I love you and I want to have this relationship with you and what do the people do? Thank you very much for about 30 seconds and then they're like, I'm going to see what's over here. Walking away from God. But God is love and he is still there. Parable of the prodigal son, right? 
the father is still there no matter what the son has done saying, I'm so glad you're back. That's love. That's the kind of people we have to be. That's my prayer this morning that, that we become those people uh, and that we are a church that is praying, God, work within me, that maybe I don't have that heart this morning, but know that God can fix anything. He makes all things new. He fixes all the broken, and, and I'm one of them. And as I see the grace that God has, has lavished upon me, I need to go out into the world and lavish that same kind of grace and mercy even when the person at H-E-B or Walmart's not that, that great to be around or that person that pulls out in front of you or Lord help me as I was shopping on Friday and the person that pulls into me and continues to drive. That's wonderful. We still have to love no matter what they've done. It doesn't mean you accept it. it. doesn't mean if there's someone behaving poorly in your life, some kind of abusive relationship that you just say, I love you. No, you need to get out of that but care for their soul as God cares for yours. So if you have any needs this morning, we're going to offer a time of invitation. Um, we, we, again, we have those prayer cards. We'd love to pray with you uh, about anything. I'll be up here. We've got some elders as well. Um, and we also, we don't have a baptistry here. They had, this used to be a church. They've taken it out. But my understanding is we can get to a swimming pool really quickly. So if you'd like to put on uh, Jesus Christ in baptism this morning, we can do that as well. Would you come as we stand and sing?